Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Employment Matters podcast, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firm around the world. I'm your host, Philippe Durand, partner at Auguste de Bouzy in France. On the program, we span the globe and receive updates on critical issues from ELM members in each region. On today's episode, we will be discussing Spanish law and especially the Royal Decree Law numbered 5-2023. Joining us on the program is Borja gonzalez Eveja barrieta Borja is of Council of Labor at our Spanish ELA member, Gomez Acebo in Pombo, in Spain. Borja, glad to have you today with us. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Are you calling from the office in Madrid or are you working from home today? No, I am calling from the office in Madrid. Very good. So let's start immediately. Maybe, Borja, by way of background, you could give us, if you agree, a few context, a few indications about the way the Spanish government has approved this new law, which, as I understand it, includes some reform, major reforms in the Spanish workers' statute. So why don't we start with a few lines about the background and the main reasons behind this reform? Well, Philippe, the Spanish government's decision to approve this new Royal Decree Law was adopted mainly to transpose European Union directives, specifically the Directive 2019-1158, and with the purpose to address the contemporary society challenges. Okay, you know, the main objective was to find the balance between the professional and the private life of employees and to encourage gender equality by ensuring that the responsibilities have a better distribution between parents. Uh, the directive which is being transposed to the Spanish legislation was ratified by the European Parliament on 20 June 2019. Okay, uh, this directive established minimum requirements concerning paternity leave, parental leave, leave of absence to take care of children, on flexible working arrangement. And well, with this regulation, the European Union was trying to enforce the gender equality of the employees. In summary, the Spanish government has approved this new Royal Decree Law with the purpose, with the objective of aligning its employment regulations with the European Union directives. So, Borja, we have a directive context that's very clear. That's the background. With, I think we're going to be talking soon about special leave, discrimination, this kind of thing. Now that we have the context, Borja, how would you describe the main measures that have been introduced or maybe some statutes or rules that have been modified in Spanish employment law and through the approval of this royal decree? Well, this royal decree law is really important since it covers a broad range of measures to advance on the conciliation of family and professional life of employees. For example, this new regulation includes new reasons that could be considered discriminatory in the case of a dismissal. It also improves the employee's right to the adaptation of their working as a daily schedule. It also increases the number of days of some paid leaves related to take care of children or dependents or relatives. 
It also foresees a new parental leave, which was not included in the Spanish legislation before. And finally, it implies the extension to those unmarried partners of some of the conciliation rights. But in these five new areas that you just mentioned, Borja, I think we'll come back to most of them during this interview, because I really think they are of critical interest for our audience. And let's start with the first one. You were talking about new reasons for discrimination introduced by this royal decree. What does this include, more precisely? In summary, this new royal decree law guarantees the right of employees not to be treated in a less favorable way due to the exercise of their conciliation or corresponsibility rights. With this reform, the Spanish Workers' Statute, which is the main Spanish employment law regulation, now establishes the right of the employees to not be discriminated due to the exercise of their conciliation and responsibility rights. Now, Borja, the good thing on this program is that we have experts that we can ask questions from, and I would like to take this opportunity. Could you try to explain to our audience to what extent you could say that the reform of the Spanish reform statutes will be contributing to reinforcing the general principles of equality and non-discrimination in Spanish law. Could you try to clarify that for us? Yes, thank you, Philippe. I will try. Well, first of all, it should be noted that this royal decree law establishes a safeguard against discriminatory actions which may be adopted by companies against those employees who exercise their rights to conciliation of their private and professional life. In addition, this new Royal Decree Law implies a modification of some articles of the Spanish Workers' Statute, Articles 53 and 55, outlining, defining some specific scenarios in which dismissals will be considered objectively null and void. These scenarios, for example, include uh, the dismissals which take place during paid leaves associated with conciliation measures as well as those dismissals which take place during adaptations of the daily working schedule. And for example, in the event of any disciplinary measures taken against employees, as from the entry into force of the law, the employment courts have now the authority to declare these decisions as new and void, because they will be breaching the employee's fundamental right to equality which is foreseen by Article 14 of the Spanish Constitution. It is also important to say that these protections are additional to those which existed in the previous legislation. We have to say that last year, in 2022, a new law on equal treatment and non-discrimination was approved, Law 15-2022, which specifically opened the scope of the causes of discrimination in the Spanish employment law. For example, according to this law, those dismissals based on the sickness of an employee or based on the serological condition of an employee could be considered discriminatory. In summary, considering the expansive interpretation of the discrimination causes by the Spanish courts and with these new regulations, our recommendation for companies will be to carefully analyze any possible personal 
or professional situation of an employee which could be considered discriminatory before taking any kind of decisions, dismissals, disciplinary actions, etc. Well, I think that's very useful because you were talking about, first of all, broad interpretation by Spanish courts. That's good to know. You were talking about nullity of potential nullity of dismissals. That's also good to know, even though it can be very bad news for an HR department or for an employer in Spain, but it's certainly a precious warning. And this new scope of discrimination is, of course, very useful. Borja, I would like to get back to that list you started with, with the five major areas where this decree law, which this decree law is impacting. And you were referring to the increase of the right related to the adaptation of the working schedule. Would you say that the entry into force of this new law has extended the existing right of adaptation for employees who are charged or in charge of taking care of children? Would that go that far? Well, first of all, we have to say that the right to adaptation of the working schedule was already foreseen by the Spanish Workers' Statute. Okay, The previous wording of the Spanish Workers' Statute already provided the possibility to adapt the working schedule of those employees who have children with less than 12 years old. However, with this new regulation, with the new royal decree, the right to adaptation has been extended now also to those employees who need to take care of children who are over the age of 12 or to take care of the spouse or common law partner, relatives up to second degree, as well as to other dependents when all these people, in its particular case, live in the same home of the employee and who, for the reasons of age, accident or illness, cannot take care of themselves. In addition to the tension of the right to the adaptation of the working schedule, we have to mention that the right to reduce the working hours has also been modified, has also been extended through this new royal decree law. And for example, now the employees can ask for a reduction of their working time to take care of children or dependents with disabilities who are under 26 years old of age or who have, for example, very serious illnesses such as cancer. Well, that's good to know because this, this potential right to us for reduction of working hours is certainly very meaningful from a practical point of view for companies, of course. Earlier on, Borja, you were also talking about this royal decree and the introduction of various new leaves whose purpose apparently is to foster the personal and professional life balance of employees in Spain. Could you elaborate a bit on this, please? Yes, I have mentioned before, this new regulation has implied an extension of some paid leave entitlements of the employees. Even it is true that some collective bargaining agreements already established some increases in the paid leaves number of days. Now this increase has been established on a general basis, but this new royal decree law. And this is very important on the daily work of the HR departments or labor relations because these are the most common situations we can face. For example, with this new regulation, before the reform, the Spanish Workers' Statute included a paid leave of two days in the event of death, serious accident or illness, hospitalization or surgery 
without hospitalization requiring home rest of relatives up to second degree of consanguinity or affinity. Now, this new regulation has extended this paid leave for these cases from two days to five days. On the other hand, we can also mention that the new royal decree law has also established a new paid leave of up to a maximum of four days per year to be absent from work due to force majeure as a consequence of urgent family reasons, for example, in the event of illness or accident that make necessary the immediate presence of the employee. As an example, if I receive a call from my kids' school telling me that my son has an accident, mm-hmm. I am entitled to immediately leave my office and go there using this permit established by this new regulation. Very good. So let's focus on these two examples you were just referring to, Borja. And let's start with the first one. I would just like us to elaborate a bit more. First of all, concerning this extension of the leave that you were referring to in case of death, serious illness, accident, or hospitalization, is it always provided for a maximum of five days, or are there debates about that? Well, uh... I have to say that according to the previous uh, legislation in force, this pet leave was established for two days, but it was extended for two additional days in the case of the employee need to travel. And now, with the wording of the new regulation, the duration is established for five days without mentioning the additional days in the case of the employee needing to travel abroad. Considering the literal wording of the regulation, we could understand that the leave is for five days is respective of the employee having to travel or not. However, for example, we do not have any judgment or judicial resolutions analyzing this interpretation. And we cannot discard that an employment court considers that the five days paid leave has also to be extended for two additional days in the case of a need to travel. So this is definitely something to be watched and to be monitored, particularly once the first tribunals in Spain will have ruled on that and will have clarified that for sure. So thanks for the tip. And on the second example, Borja, you were talking about this new form of parental leave. Could you give us a bit more detail about that, please? Well, the the, the paid leave I have mentioned was the four days paid leave for the case of a situation of force majeure. Okay, when I mentioned the new parental leave at the beginning of our conversation, I was referring to a new kind of leave, which is not exactly a paid leave because it is not remunerated, but a suspension of employment. This leave is designed to enable employees to take care of children for a maximum period of eight weeks until the children turn eight years old. This parental leave is unpaid and could be enjoyed on a continuous way, for example, all the eight weeks continuously, or discontinuously, for example, one week per year until the children turns eight years old. And additionally, we have to say that this new unpaid leave can be enjoyed in a complete work time or part-time. So HR will have to be prepared for that and to be prepared to more flexibility because, of course, Spanish employees now are able to ask for this kind of flexibility. 
My final question for you today, Borja, will be about the introduction of unmarried partners in the scope of this new decree law. You were referring to that when you were talking earlier on about conciliation rights. Could you tell us more about the meaning of this notion of unmarried partners into this law and the practical impact of having the concept of unmarried partners into this law? I was referring that with this new royal decree law, those unmarried partners, those couples which are not married, are now included in the scope of many conciliation rights. For example, in the scope of the paid leave due to severe accident or illness or hospitalization. They can also benefit now from the leaves due to death. They can also benefit now from the right to reduce their working time in order to take care of children or dependents or relatives. And they are also entitled now to the 15 calendar days paid leave for marriage, but they can now enjoy this 15 days paid leave with the registration of the couple as common law partners with the public registry. This extension does not only imply a commitment to inclusivity and social progress, but also helps mitigate discrimination based on marital status, aligning itself with their principles of equality within employment perspective. Well, Morha, that was a lot of precious information for our audience today, and in particular for companies that have business in Spain. You were able to also clarify a few items in this new law and to draw our attention to certain few gray areas in the law. So thanks a lot for all that. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have today. Borja, thank you for taking the time and it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Philippe. My pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to connect with Borja, please click on his bio in the description of his podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ELA.law. That's L-A-W, of course. In addition, search ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Philippe Durand. Thanks for listening.